Welcome to episode 11. Thank you for tuning in to Fall in Love with Your Business Again podcast. My name is Jovana and I run bumperleads.com. We are a marketing automation agency that helps businesses grow their sales, inquiries and profit using technology. I'm super excited to present to you my guest, Leland Russell. Leland is best known for his work in the 90s, consulting with CEOs, business leaders and mission-critical teams on how to think, plan and act in the times of rapid change. As the founder of Geo Group, he works with Fortune 500 companies, mid-sized businesses and also with non-profits. Leland's book, Winning in Fast Time, has been endorsed by many top corporate and non-profit executives, senior military leaders and best-selling authors, one of whom described it as a required handbook for the 21st century leaders. In this episode, we talk about what's changed since the 80s and 90s and what the future holds for all of us. I'm thrilled to be talking with Leland and I hope you find our chat just as enjoyable as I did. So let's get started. Leland, how do you like to start your day? I like to start it with a smile. I like to start it with uh, some meditation. I like to start it with reconnecting to my purpose. And uh, I'm somewhat religious, and um, I have a little prayer that I do each day. And it starts with gratitude. Thank you for my many yesterdays, and thank you for this new day of opportunities. I know uh, I've introduced you to our listeners and we have listeners who are based all over the world. And, uh, you know, back in the 60s or 70s, you worked in the music industry. You're uh, also a big uh, management or leadership guru back in the 90s. And I thought that is something very cool and interesting. Our listeners might find very, very interesting and inspiring as a story. Would you be happy to share with us your early uh, career? Uh, yes. I will say that my wife, I don't know if, uh, if everyone has seen the film Forrest Gump, but it's uh, about someone who's not that uh, intelligent, but who has all of these life experiences that are quite amazing. And my wife says I'm Forrest Gump with a slightly higher IQ. I, uh, I grew up in, uh, in Mississippi in the uh, 50s and 60s during the civil rights era. So I lived through all of that turmoil that went on in, in Mississippi. And I was a musician, and we uh, formed a band uh, at my university in Mississippi and moved to California. And we were there. We arrived there at the moment of the flower power uh, era and became famous among the famous, I would say. We had, we had an album, which was released, semi-successful. But uh, yes, I had a music career, then I segued from that into a uh, period of uh, producing concerts. And I produced many of the major recording artists' concerts, over a thousand concerts that I produced. And then from there, uh, believe it or not, I segued into uh, the business world. And uh, I was a um, CEO of a company with a couple of hundred people in it. And we uh, we were kind of pioneers in using technology in the, in the uh, early 80s. We were using online 
uh, collaboration tools. And, um, you know, I've since begun to use that myself now today with my clients. So it's been it's been a journey. And I, I think the uh, the headline on all of this is that life is really a series of changes. Nothing is for me, at least uh, I recognize that there is no constancy. Things are always going to be changing and evolving. I think the theme of your uh, of your program about falling in love with your business again kind of connects back to that because regardless of you know how you get started you will be facing changes there will be challenges you will have ups you will have downs uh, the ability to move through those transitions and I as I said I've had many of them in my life I've had to have courage at certain points and there's been moments when I've I've really felt I wouldn't be able to go another step, but it, it takes some courage to discontinue. Courage is is huge. And even as business owners, just taking that first leap, getting into business, uh, starting something um, from scratch on your own and building it, that takes a lot of courage. And for you and your journey, um, you know, going from this massive, you know, music industry business to becoming a CEO of a, of a good, you know, size company, and then uh, stepping into another realm of being in a leadership kind of coaching. Is that is that the next natural step you had in your career? Yeah, uh, it, it was actually looking at uh, how leaders could deal with major changes that were going on around them. And it was around mindsets. And uh, mindsets have a lot to do with how we are able to deal with our circumstances. And, and to bring it down to... Uh, you know, to the, I guess, step one in all of this is I think that if someone is going to start a new business, and let's talk about either starting or or restarting, and I'll, I'll tell you a little story about me restarting my business, but you really need to be clear about two things. One is your purpose and why are you here? I think really getting connected to that, and I'll tell you the story about how that allowed me to fall in love with my business again. And then the other is your strengths. Are, are you, is what you're doing, what your strengths telling you that you could and should be doing it. And, and if you're happy doing what you're doing and you're blissful doing what you're doing, it's called following your bliss. Uh, so those are really, really important. Now, all of that said, it does not mean if you're clear on your purpose and you've got happiness and bliss in what you're doing, that you're not going to have massive challenges. Just it, it, it will happen. No plan survives its contact with reality. <laughs> Regardless of how you plan and how you expect things, you know, John Lennon once said, you know, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Yes. I love that you tied it back into the podcast, the theme of the podcast, fall in love with your business again. Because there are so many challenges and I'm sure you've experienced a lot in your business. And what would you say is your biggest hurdle that you've been able to overcome yourself? Well, I, I think, and, and I'll just kind of go fast forward to the end, almost end of the movie and then how I kind of fell in love with my business again. Uh, I have accomplished so many things and had so many successful projects and work with so many wonderful people. And uh, as I reach this point in my life, and I'm 73 years old now. And so uh, this was about three years ago, maybe four years ago. And I kind of had felt like I've done it all. I've had this amazing life. I've kind of, um, you know, it's time for me to just kind of let go and 
really kind of kick back. And I basically, for a couple of years, I did nothing. I just uh, had all of these skills and all of these contacts and all of these ideas and, you know, massive knowledge base that, you know, could be really valuable to other people. But I was doing nothing. And uh, I was out at dinner one night with my wife, a couple of friends, and uh, one of one of our friends uh, said, well, Leland, uh, what's your purpose? And I went, oh, and I used an expletive. Oh, why did you ask me that? I know what it's, it is. I should be, I, I have these skills and this knowledge to help change, I call them change makers, people who, uh, who are really trying to do things, you know, either changing in their business or changing, you know, in, in a bigger way in the world, creating change. I'm there to help them. And I have not been doing that. And and once that started, I felt like one of these robots that's been covered with dust sitting in a garage. Suddenly, you know, the arms kind of light up and, you know, it begins to move and crunch forward. So it was a very, you know, sort of, whoa, and I'm coming back out of the fog. But to the point of how do you fall in love with with it again? A, you've got to reconnect to your purpose of why am I here? You know, and, and one way you can tell why you're here is what skills and what unique capabilities do you have that have value for other people? So if you're connected to that and what you're doing and you're contributing to other people, that really helps you tune into your purpose. And then the other part is really um, – you know, are you working with your strengths inside of that? Because you've got some things I'm very creative and more right brain, but a lot of what is necessary in a business is left brain, if you will. It, it requires, you know, a certain kind of discipline and consistency. And that, you know, was something I had to work on. And so I'm still in that same learning mode that I've been in my whole life. I'm just learning and learning and learning. So in this repositioning, I had to say, okay, what's my vision? So where do you want to be? And typically, you know, you need to set a time frame on it. And I call it the future picture because it's not just, uh, oh, my vision is to, you know, some abstract thing. You say specifically, where do I want to be in, you know, X period of time? And I would say three years, for example, or five years. But say in three years, I would like to have this. And this is how I'm going to know that I've accomplished that. And I'd like to be in this spot. I know this is how I'll know I'll accomplish that. So you need to be very specific about your future picture that you're, you know, you're achieving or want to achieve. And, and that will kind of cause the, uh, you know, energy to, to rebuild. Mm. I love that. I love that. I, it's so funny. You've just reminded me of a recent meeting I had with a, a, potent, a client, actually. She's been trying to uh, put together a business roadmap. And it sounds like what I gave her, I pulled up this business roadmap that I did with my business coach when I started the business five years ago. And I looked at it and it's almost the same as what my business roadmap looks like, looks like now that um, it kind of reminded me and kicked in that purpose again um, and just revived me as a business owner and it made me proud of what I was looking at 
Um, and I, I feel like you really have to write it down somewhere. You have to re- refer to your business values and purpose and, and be reminded that this is why you're doing what you're doing. And then you internalize that as well, make it part of your core. Absolutely. And, and the why is uh, critical. Why am I doing this? And why is this, you know, why is this important? How am I helping others? So yeah, that's that's really really important. And I think the other the other piece, and um, I'm in a I go in cycles, and I guess we all do. But sometimes they're a little more extreme for me. <laughs> you need to really have energy. And sometimes we talk about passion, and and I think passion is a is a you know kind of a, a another form of energy. It takes energy to do these things. So this gets back to your you know question about how do you um, how do you start your day? Well, you need to start your day and you need to really do it in a way that creates, you know, energizes you for the day. And there's some really interesting uh, research. Um, and this is I'm speaking of in, in the last few months that's looking at time management and saying, well, it's really more uh, rather than managing your time. It's about managing your energy. What are you doing that, you know, at certain kinds, you know, kinds of activities at certain times of day that really gives you, you know, energy. And I found for me personally that, that the early part of the day, the three or four hours early in the day is when I really have my clarity and creativity. Managing your energy is really, really important. And if you're going to kind of fall in love with your business again, you need to you know, recognize that, that that is really about re-energizing yourself to you know, pick up the mantle again and, and go again. You will go through transitions. Things do end. And even in your business, you're going to have phases in your business. And if you, I would think, look back at your own business, you would say there were there were periods when, you know, when you were starting something and then you're, you're, you, know, you need to change and evolve to the next step. And you enter what's called the neutral zone. You're not in that new place yet. You're not where you were, that's a challenge. And I um, shared an article recently talking about what's called the neutral zone, that, that area when you're not, you know, you're kind of in the middle. That's very challenging. And that's, that's where it really takes you know, courage to uh, be able to go to the next step or to the next level. So if you're going to fall in love with your business again, you're not going to fall in love with it exactly the way it was. It's going to be a new dimension oh, to it. I love that. And do you think that in your going through the journey in your life, do you think business or being in business was easier back in the 70s or 80s? And do you think we're experiencing a different type of change now that you're restarting at the age of 73? How are you finding the dynamics now, the environment that you're operating Oh, absolutely. This is a, uh, a very important uh, concept. And I, and I have realized just, and this is really in the last couple of months I've been uh, thinking about this topic. Uh, a man named William Bridges is the you know, leading, I'd say, expert on transitions. I had an opportunity to meet with him, you know, annually for many, many years. And his model is uh, that there's three phases to transitions. There's letting go. And that people have difficulty letting go sometimes of, you know, the past. And sometimes that could be letting go of a failure that you've had. So 
okay, I just, you know, just ran into a big problem and something didn't work. Well, letting go of that's, you know, kind of uh, difficult. The neutral zone, you're going to have many transitions. So you will have letting go, you know, endings. Neutral zone, which is you're not in the new place yet and you're not in the old place. You're in this, it's, I think of it as the desert. You know, I use the analogy of being in a car, you know, with the doors locked and, you know, the gears are stuck and you can't move. <laughs> this is, you're not able to move, you know, it just, and, and you have to be patient when you're in the neutral zone. And then, then you'll have new beginnings and you start to, and I use the term, you know, whispers. You have to kind of listen, you know, to your inner voices there to say, okay, what's, what's next? You know, what do I need to do next? And that, that's a very important question. What's my next step? So to answer your question about how many of these transitions you're going to go through, endless, uh, because it, it come back to the point I made earlier, it, we're in a constant state of change. So it is, you know, there are transitions going on all the time. Now, sometimes those are in your business. But sometimes they're in your, you know, in a person, in a personal, a specific personal relationship or in some other situation in your life. So it's not just your business. And you can't if you think of it, everything is here's my business. Well, that's only a part of, you know, your world and who you are. Yeah. And the rules for success. And uh, I mean, they're still the same. <laughs> like the business principles are still the same. It's just the environment. Like the the goalposts are changing, obviously, and and the environment is changing, but we still need the foundation. Like you said in the beginning, we need our values. We need to follow our bliss, which I love what you said. We need that energy and passion, which is so vital to keep us going because there's always going to be a hurdle or something new. And in the world of technology that we are experiencing in a rapid transformation i would say even as you know we are working with active campaign crm and every month um we are just dealing with changes there is new updates new things new crms coming in the marketplace and for me personally i'm just getting like this is so uh, it's hard to keep up with everyone everybody coming uh, and launching things to market well for me uh i've been for 30 years uh looking at this this idea of dynamic the new normal you know of all of these these uh, rapid changes happening and what's what's occurring now is it's just getting more complex more and more difficult in many 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 different ways having said that uh, there's a new way of working in this world and there's a wonderful book by a man named Daniel Pink. Uh, called uh, A Whole New Mind. And it's basically saying that creative people, people who are more, you know, art artists and creative types, think of Steve Jobs and what he did with Apple. So you need a different kind of mental model. You need to be much more flexible. I don't think it's it's always been, you know, difficult. I just think now it's it's the the reason people see it as difficult is because they don't understand the new the new rules so to speak it's a new way of operating and if you're trying to lead with a uh, you know build a business and lead with a dictatorial approach you're going to have a big problem 
And if you're not creative and you're not collaborating, you're going to have a big problem. But if you're in that kind of groove, that's why you see many companies that are just knocking the ball out of the park. They know who they are. They know, you know why they're doing it and they're doing great. And then you've got other companies that are just, you know, struggling and, you know, it's, people are not enjoying themselves and things aren't working. So, yeah, it's 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 difficult, but it's it's also easy if you understand the environment that you're in and what the what you know, what the rules for success are. Back in the day, you know, back in flower power days, you had record companies and you had what's called uh, A&R directors and they, you know, you had to get a budget and then you went in the studio and you did all this stuff and, and, it, and it took a lot of money to do it. And you know, it was a completely different ballgame. Now you've got people who are, you know, bands or there's one of my you know favorite groups is out of uh, Canada and they've just released these incredible YouTube videos and now they've become massively successful but they did not do it in that old model. So th- there's a the, the uh, new business models are uh, evolving very, very quickly, and they're enabled by the, the technology. One of the things to think about is it's not just a technology. It's the orchestration of all these different tools and how do you use all of that. And do you think now with the launch of your new business, now that you're coming back <laughs> into this world, this is something that has driven you to uh, go and sp- really speak about this topic and in your geo leadership business. Do you want to tell us more about that? Well, geo leadership evolved, as I say, over three decades, basically. But the initial, uh, the beginning of all this was uh, when I ended my business uh, that I had a couple of hundred employees in. And I was saying, well, what am I going to do next? What's next for me? And I, and I said, I want to do something that's different. And I want to do something that uses my creative, my music, all these different things. And, and, and involve technology in that. So I created a program called A Day in the Future that was sponsored by Fortune Magazine. And that, that event was a basically massive uh, use of uh, tools similar to a live concert. I called them knowledge concerts. So I did knowledge concerts and uh, I, I used music and, and uh, interview clips with different people plus the live speaking. And that then brought me into this world of being asked to help uh, major corporations uh, with their uh, communication, strategic communications, and really getting the energy going in the whole organization. And from that, I began to work with some of the top people in the world who were doing work in leadership. So GEO uh, is an acronym, GEO leadership. GEO is an acronym for global perspectives, empowered people, and orchestrated technology. And that was created in 1989, and it's really stood the test of time. Yeah, and the the work today really is after – the first decade of that work, uh, I met the uh, architect of the Desert Storm Air Campaign, and we wrote a book together called Winning in Fast Time. And I used the same kind of model, uh, you know, three-part model like GEO, took it into the next, you know, the next level of, uh, of, of action to really be a more of an, we'll call it strategic 
action, where you think strategically, you focus very sharply on specific, you know, uh, leverage points, and then you move very, very quickly. So that whole model really fits the environment we're in today. So this, uh, you know, reinvention, so to speak, or re, you know, relaunch of uh, of Geo, has really been bringing all those things together. And and just one other point is all of this time, and, and this is very important regardless of what kind of business you're in, is this idea of learning continuously and being curious. So if you're curious and that's, I would say, I'm very curious, I'm very curious, is I've just accumulated so much knowledge. And so now what's happening is I've been in, we call it divergent, like going out and learning more and learning about this and learning about that. And now I'm converging, I'm bringing all that together and packaging that. And that's really what's, you know, kind of gotten me excited was the idea of being able to take everything I've learned and package it in a way where I can communicate it and do knowledge transfers, if you will, um, to as many people as possible. Well, I'm working with, um, I've got three clients right now, and uh, I will say just to uh, put a context around this, that part of this uh, Forrest Gump, you know, life that I've had, I end up in these situations that how did Leland end up there? (laughs) And where I ended up is in the middle of um, the issue of women and gender equality. And so I've been working with women leadership organizations. So the clients that I'm working with right now, one is the CEO, a woman CEO of the oldest investment company uh, in the United States. They're 105 years old now. And uh, the other client that I'm working with is uh, a group called Collective Impact. And there are five women organizations that came together to uh, work on gender equality in India. That's their big project right now. So I've been advising them. And then I have one, for the first time, new startup that I've been working with uh, over the last year. And that's been very interesting because it's, you know, we're it's it's the first opportunity that I've had to completely with a blank canvas work with a new client to build an organization. He's got a great vision that really fits the environment that so we're in right I, now. I love how you mentioned um, that you're working with these organizations, the women leadership. Is that something you've identified as? Yes. Uh, uh, one of the, the, the challenges in the world right now, I mean, if you really step back and just look at what's going on in the world, what we have is a massive, at least we have it in the United States, and I think it's you know probably worldwide, but a trust gap. And the, the lack of trust is a huge issue. We look at how we're going to solve the problems in the world today, how we're going to collaborate, how we're going to do all these things. It's going to take large numbers of people working together to whatever the particular mission they have is, but it's going to take a large number of people working together. The very first step or the foundation of any kind of collaboration is trust. Okay? So if we look at the problems in the world today and we say, what's going on? What, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Well, if, and no, uh, I'm not trying to be offensive to my male friends around the, around the world, but there's testosterone Tommies, you know, that are, that are doing these every, and they're tribal. Okay. 
So I've been working on an article called A Tribe We Can Trust. And that tribe is sisterhood. That's who's going to fix the problem. And, and, and the Dalai Lama said the same thing. I'm, I'm not adding any wisdom to him. But it, it's going to be the women who are going to be at the forefront in solving a lot of these problems. And the statistics on this where you have women's organization, an organization where the women are 30 percent or more of the board of directors or the leadership, they dramatically outperform uh, the male dominated companies. And that's, you know, there's lots of statistics on this. And um, I mean, I could, this, this could be a whole separate uh, program. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> sounds like we need to get together, Leland, and just go through the future. What does the future hold? <laughs> well, the, the, the future is going to be very, very challenging. And we are in, we talked about transitions earlier, and we are in the beginning of a massive transition. We've all heard about, quote unquote, artificial intelligence. Well, it's already yeah. here, but we ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, we're just at the beginning of, of a massive uh, yeah. transition into a world where um, human intelligence and uh, artificial intelligence are going to be collaborating. Yeah, I, I, had, I have a client who is in this space, and he recently came back from Hong Kong. And there was this artificial intelligence global summit. I think it was over three days. And they were on a different realm. <laughs> they were talking, we will have robots in our homes by 2025. And we will have, they, had exam they already had prototypes built, uh, butlers, um, some mini robots that follow you around the house. <laughs> and I thought, this is crazy. But that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Yes, and, and and let me let me just add one one uh, piece to that AI conversation. The problems in the world we have today, every problem, and other than and even let's take the weather <laughs> and, and climate change. It, it, if you look at the, what's called the root cause, it is software defects between our ears. It's how people think. When you look at these jihadists, you know, that are out blowing up people or just any of the problems that you see, they're thinking problems. This is fundamental. The last 30 years, this has been my underlying belief, you know, system that really what we've got to do is we've got to think smarter. And, and I, that's why I use the term collective intelligence. And the, all the work I do is really around people coming together and thinking smarter, better, etc. However, the problems are getting more and more and more complex and artificial intelligence as a augmenting human intellect is what is going to happen with AI. The, the biggest challenge that we're going to have is how we think about things. We're going to have to we're going to have to uh, change our thinking in, in many ways. And the old paradigms, if you will, the way of operating businesses is really changing and it's changing very fast. So it's not, there's not like one new answer. It's new business models, new ways of doing things are happening and evolving very, very, very quickly. And a paradigm is a way of perceiving the world. It's how you see things. 
It's how you, what, you know, what should I be paying attention to? And what are the rules for success? And I, I was telling a friend of mine a story recently. I call it Back to the Future. But uh, back when I did this uh, program uh, in 1990, uh, imagine now I'm sitting under these bright television lights and I'm focused. There's this gray-haired man that's sitting across from me. His name was Doug Engelbart. He's one of the greatest, the greatest, I guess, and acknowledged by many people, like Steve Jobs, for example, as one of the great technology visionaries. And uh, he was the one who first foresaw in, in the 1950s the power of personal computers to what he described as augment human intellect. And a decade later, in the 60s, he was inventing many of the personal computing tools that we're using now, and especially uh, well-known as the mouse, which he said was the temporary name he gave it, you know, until somebody came up with the real name. So when, when we started the interview, uh, we watched this grainy, you know, black and white video, and it was him presenting his early work at a computer conference. And today it's on uh, the web now. You can look it up on YouTube or the mother of all demos. And what he did was presented to a, uh, a group of about a thousand computer scientists, all of these new tools. So he's sitting up on this large stage with a 20 foot video screen behind him. And in 90 minutes, he demonstrated all the fundamental elements of modern personal computing, windows, hypertext, graphics, uh, navigation, commands, video conferencing, the mouse, word processing, linking, you know, uh, revision control of documents, real-time collaboration. And when it ended, when we watched this little video, the mother of all demos, I said, Doug, what happened? How did the world's leading computer scientists respond? And he seemed very sad. And he said, after it was over, I looked up and everyone was standing and applauding. It, it, it seemed that I really excited them. And it was, you know, I thought they were going to take what I'd shown them and take it to the next level, but nothing happened. In the years that followed, I, I demonstrated, I, I would write, I would give talks, and everywhere it seemed that what I was saying didn't relate to people's lives in the real world. And, and this is a quote. Now I realize that back in those days, I was experiencing the power of mental models, the patterns of thinking known as paradigms. And it's a human characteristic to have a firmly held perception about the world, what it's like based on what we grew up with. And it's not something we talk about. So we just become to believe that that's the world. When somebody starts talking about something that doesn't hit inside your pre-existing mental model, you don't recognize it. It's non-recognizable. You don't understand it. So to where we are today, we need to really be open-minded and be very open-minded. The Maharini of Jaipur said, keep an open mind. An open mind is a very good thing. But while your mind is open, don't let your brain Wow, that's out. a great story. Thank you for sharing. It's been wonderful, really, to have you as my guest on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, and I'm sure our listeners got so much value out of it also. Uh, so they must be wondering uh, how they could get in contact with you. Would you mind sharing your website or the best way they can reach you? Uh, yes. Uh, my uh, website is geogroup, G-E-O-G-R-O-U-P.net. And uh, there's a description of the work we're doing today. There is a uh, link to uh, set up a free uh, 
consultation. Thank you so much, Leland. I will include your website and how our listeners can get in contact with you, including that mother of all demos. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Yes, and thank you. A, a very, a, a very good uh, idea that you have with your uh, with your work, and I think this is really valuable for for people in general. So, thank you. Mm-hmm.